Good morning. It is uh, so good to see all of you and to see the wide, wide range of men from uh, the youngest over there at 13 and then the oldest to being right. Just kidding. I I have no idea, but uh, (laughs) it's really good being here with you guys. Really good. Um, We were at the elder retreat uh, a few months back, and I've had the privilege of serving as uh, an elder since long before I ever felt like I had enough years in my life to be an elder. I think I'm going on two decades now. And it has been a really wonderful, wonderful journey um, to be able to come alongside some of the pastors here and to lock arms with some of the other men and to focus on how do we bring the reality of walking with Christ to each and every human being that should ever come through the doors of this place? And then how do we use all of the goodness in this place to ignite the hearts and the minds of the guys and the gals that come in so that they go out and they change the world? And that's what we get to do. And The beautiful thing is that being an elder here has never been a a have to do. It's always been a get to do. What a privilege. You know, what an absolute privilege. This place has been beautiful, really beautiful. One of the things that makes, um, I think, the biggest difference at River West Church or in the church as a whole is what's taking place in the heads and in the hearts of those that are serving and leading. So at our elder retreat, something that we've been doing for years is our very first day, you know, we will, over the previous months, we will ask you to fill out your prayer cards. And you guys will turn in your prayer cards. You, your wives, your kids, your parents, you'll turn in your prayer cards and your transparency is always mind-blowing. And then we elders, we take those prayer cards and we're usually at the coast We all separate, we take a stack, and we just start praying. And no. And what we read is heartbreaking. You know, what we read is. uh, is a lot of pain. And um, <clears throat> there's some praises, but I'm going to tell you the number of praises versus pains pales in comparison. So at the end of the first night, we're thrashed. And uh, what we do is we, we have faith because we've seen God answer so many prayers, and we have hope. But we come together and we say, hey, what are the themes? What are you guys seeing? What's happening in this group of human beings that have said, I'm going to make Christ king, and I'm going to devote time to coming to church. I'm going to devote time to living out of this mental framework of being a follower of a creator instead of being a creator of our own. What are the themes? And the themes are, Broken marriages, at-risk kids, 
a lot of health issues, a lot of financial hardship, a lot of relational problems. And in this last retreat, I think Adam showed you guys the stack in one of the services if you were here. It was huge. It was huge. We're going through the themes that night, and I felt like a, hey, Daniel, you need to talk to the men about the fruit of the Spirit. You need to talk to the men about the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we guys can understand the beauty of faith, the beauty of really entering into a relationship with this God that is pursuing us. Like if we can get it out of a cerebral thing and into a heart and soul thing, and if we can change or reorient our lives to pursue something different than I think what many of us find ourselves pursuing, I think if we can reorient ourselves and focus in on the one who created us and the son who came to love us and to bring us into relationship, like get it out of your head and into your heart, I think what will take place is that that prayer card, that stack, will drop. And that's what I felt. And so here I am. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I don't have it figured out. So I have the privilege of, uh, of walking side by side, men and women, leaders, and getting to know them quite well in what it is that I do. And uh, for the last two decades, that opportunity has allowed me to see how most of us live, like what it is that we think about and what it is that we, we invest in. I get to see the calendars and I get to see the interactions of many of you, maybe not specifically you, but us. And what I see is that we're investing so much time in the doing of life that we're finding very little time to be who we've been called to be. Does that make sense? We're so busy in the doing that many of us are not making the time in the being of a Christian, a Christ follower. I'm going to ask you to please be honest with me. What's the one word that you would best describe your pace on a normal day in, day out kind of basis? What's the one word that comes to time? I mean, comes to your, to your mind when I say, what's your pace? Frenetic? Frenzied. Chaotic go time. Out of control. Any of you sitting in here going, no, that's not my reality? Any of you? Yes. Calm and relaxed. Calm, relaxed, retired. Hmm. Hey, men, any of you calm, relaxed, and not retired? Young men, high schoolers, junior high schoolers, and then my retired friends. There is a very, very real enemy. You cannot come through the doors of church 
and not acknowledge an enemy. You can't sit here and acknowledge that you were created by a God and believe in the story of the Bible and believe that God came in the form of human and walked the earth and changed the world through a sacrificial act of love for you and for me without truly understanding that there's an enemy. There's so much in the Bible that if I take off my faith hat and I start putting on my practical realistic hat and I start going, really, how did that happen? Like in seven days, really, that happened? And an ark, are you kidding me? And then he lived in a whale? What? There's so much in here that requires me to believe in the unseen. There's so much in here that if I were to try to sit down with you and have an absolutely intellectual, scientific conversation around how this happened, right, I would be put in a straitjacket. But the beauty of faith, and every human being has it, is that there's something about life that we can't absolutely figure out. Created for purpose or random accident. Like we can't scientifically, mathematically prove it. So every human being is trying to prove it. They're trying to orient their life around a belief in the invisible. Does that make sense? You guys all with me on this? So if we are going to believe that a God created the world out of nothing, right? And if we're going to believe that he created us to be his image bearers, and if we're going to believe that he sent his son and it was in the form of man, and that man walked the earth and loved us so much that he laid his life down for us, if we're going to believe that and then trade in our selfish human desires to live in a way that is prescribed here, then we have to acknowledge that the enemy that's talked about in here is real as well. And I think that the primary tool that the enemy is using in our times today is the tool of busyness. I think what he's doing is he's got us so amped up and going at such a pace that we're not having the ability to be who he's called us to be, to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with one another, and to be vessels that are used for goodness in the lives of others. I've written down some notes, and I want to make sure that I am on track because uh, I've got a lot of passion around this, and I've given a lot of thought with regards to what I want to say. Can you go ahead and throw that slide up on the screen? I, I want you to see a little bit of how we think at the company that I work with. And when we're working with folks, this is what we think defines how we humans work. So we're two gears, all right? There's an inner game and an outer game. And the inner game, what's going on inside of me affects what you all experience, right? And I think a whole bunch of Christian men are focusing on the outer gear. And what we're doing is we're focusing all of our energy, energy on behavior. This is why I'm so glad that you younger guys are here. I have a message specifically for you that's not written down anywhere, but it's for you right here, right now. And I've been telling it to my sons and my daughters since they were this big, as has my wife. Walking with Christ isn't a whole bunch of rules. It's not pass-fail. 
It's not do these things and you're a good Christian. That is not the Christian life. The Christian life is a life of freedom. He came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. He came to give us the ability to freely love and to be used to be a positive light in the lives of others. It's not about us checking off a whole bunch of boxes. Hey, men, it's about who we are, and out of who we are, what is it that we do? And too many of us, I think, drift and fall into the busy trap of just checking off the boxes. So in that out of gear, outer gear, what we're doing is we're wanting to make sure that we have all the right actions and that we're showing up right with the right people, and then we'll get the results that we want. And if we're going to reorient our life and we're going to make a dent in those prayer request cards. Hey, life is difficult, but if we're going to make a dent in those prayer request cards, what we have to work on is what's going on on the inside. So that inner gear, when that thing starts to move, it affects that outer gear. When my thinking and my believing and my feeling starts to align and it aligns around God and Jesus and his word, when I start to reorient myself to this, then what happens is, my actions, my behaviors, my relationships, and the results that I get in business, in life, in school, in community, the results start in that moment to glorify God, and the, the results then point to a creator that's bigger than me. So what I want to talk about is what we can control. If we have an enemy that's trying to consume us with busyness, and what he's trying to do is he's trying to get us to believe that our identity is going to be defined by how much we do, how busy we are, what we accomplish, how much we make, how the world sees us. If we buy into that, then what's going to happen is that prayer request stack's going to grow because the results are going to be really bad. But if we reorient our thinking... And we start to spend the time to allow that thinking through prayer, through request to impact our believing, then I want to tell you what we'll start feeling. And it's really beautiful. Any of you guys bring one of these? I'm going to take you to a passage that if you've been coming to church for a long time, you know it. If you're new and you don't come to this place, I want you to see what it is that I'm after. This is what I want for my life. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, many of you have it memorized. 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Will you please clear your mind right now? Please, like whatever thoughts you have right now, please just fight to listen. I'm going to ask that you understand what would take place in your life. How would life be if your life all day, every day, all day, every day, 24-7, if what you experienced was love joy, and peace. What would life be like? Think about it. How you doing today, Daniel? Love, joy, peace. Tomorrow, love, joy, peace. 
The world's falling apart in different places. Love, joy, and peace. I'll be 54 this year, still young, and as I look out at many of you, getting older. And I'll tell you what, this is what I want. At this stage in my life, this is all I want. I want my days from here until the time I move to heaven, I want them filled with love and with joy and with peace. But I have to think about that. I have to think about what that looks like, and I have to believe that that's possible in order to feel that. But what do I have to think about? Do I have to think about happy thoughts? And do I have to believe that if I just think about that, that then it will happen? Uh Uh-uh. I have to pray. The beautiful thing is that the Lord says that if we ask, it will be granted. When Christ left the earth, he said, yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with a helper. Guys, you need to know That helper, he wants to come alongside of us. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of us. And this is what he wants to give us. In our days, in this broken world, when we're experiencing the very real pains that I know many of you are experiencing, just walking through the doors this morning, as I gave hugs and as I looked at you in the eyes, I heard your stories. I heard, I know. I know I got guys in the room right now that are freaked out, scared, hurting for their sick brides. I know there are guys in the room that are hurting and possibly scared and struggling because their bodies are failing and they're dealing with some pretty terminal battles. I know that you guys are walking in the room and you got some real heartbreaking challenges going on with some of your kids. you got a lot of fear, a lot of heartache. I know. Young men, I know what you guys are dealing with. You're trying to figure out your way in the world. You're trying to figure out where do you fit in, where will you be loved, where will you be respected, where will you be seen as being man, whether you're 13 or whether you're 18. We're trying to figure it out. But if we reorient ourselves and we focus on Christ from not just a cerebral way, not just a doing, but a being, I think that we can begin to fill our days with more love, joy, and peace. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If we focus on Christ and we say, Lord, I want more love, joy, and peace. I want more of you. And if we repeat that over and over and over again, and that's what we're focusing on. That's what we're thinking about. That's what we're praying for. We're thinking about that. We're praying, which starts to engage believing. Then he does his part and the feeling comes. Now, if that happens, and if we're living with more love, joy, and peace, then what takes place is the men that we are are men that are defined by the rest of that fruit that's talked about in 22. So my belief is that if I'm feeling love, joy, and peace, then who I become is patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. Now, guys, are you with me? Who we become are men that are defined, that are described as men who are patient, who are kind, who are good, who are faithful, who are gentle, and who are self-controlled. Now let me take you back to the elder retreat. I think if we, as men, with our inner circle, with those who really know us, with our spouses, with our kids, with our grandkids, 
those who really know us, I think if we were more patient, we're more kind, we're more good, we're more gentle, we're more self-controlled, I think that those prayer cards start to drop. You with me? Adam, just last Sunday, in his message, he was talking about hospitality. How many of you heard that message last couple weeks, hospitality, right? And I loved what he said. He, he, he said that hospitality is treating strangers as if they were friends. Did you guys hear that? That's hospitality. As I read the prayer cards, what I saw was some of us are treating family like strangers. You with me on that? And I've seen it firsthand in really close relationships where men can walk through the doors and they can be the happiest, most switched on guys when it comes to their business associates, when it comes to their church buddies. Hey, how you doing? Life's good, man. How are you doing? I care. I'm here to listen. I've seen it. I've seen it with guys that are close to me. When we're with those people that are in the second or the third relational rung, they're not in the, in the inner zone, that inner target. They're not our spouses and they're not our kids. They're getting the best. They're getting smiles. You doing well, man? Good. Oh, man, I've been praying for you. Really. You know, and we're there. I love you, dude. But then what do those in those four walls of our home get? They get grumpy guy. They get impatient guy. They get distant guy. They get not present guy. They, they get I have no time guy. They don't get patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. They don't get that. Why? We have to reorient our thinking. And we have to treat our family as family. But we can't do it on our own. If we do that, if we treat our family like who they are and who we've been called to treat them as, I think prayer stacks start to drop. But then there's another question in regard, with regards to hospitality. How do our family members see us treating strangers? Because that's a big one. So what is it that my wife and my sons and my daughter, daughters, what is it that they're seeing in me? Like, how am I treating strangers? We all know through the scriptures that Christ says, hey, the least of these, how you treat the least of these, it tells me how you love me. I'm in the least of these. So how are we doing treating the least of these? It's super easy to, to treat somebody we really respect well, somebody we want something really well, but how are we treating those that need something? How are we treating those that have nothing? What is it that we're teaching and modeling as men to our kids? Now, I want to connect it right back to that elder retreat and those prayer cards. There was a lot, a lot of cards where some of you folks, you're heartbroken because your kids are leaving the faith. Rough. What causes that? Now, I'm not pointing my fingers at you guys. I am not. If that's your reality, our kids have to figure out their own journey. And I've got three kids in the room right now, plus extended kids in the room right now. They have to figure it out on their own. I can't own it. But I'll tell you what, I play a role in their journey. And if they see Jesus alive in me and in their mom, if they see Jesus alive in, then they 
subconsciously believe that Jesus is real because look at how Jesus is working through my parents. But if they don't feel Jesus alive in me, but they hear all of the rules and all of the do's and the don'ts of faith, who wants that? A whole bunch of lip service, but I don't want that. I, want you, I don't want to be somebody who shows up this way, but at home is this way. So this morning's breakfast isn't a butt kicking. This morning's breakfast is a bit of a wake up. And my hope is that you sit there and you just self-examine. And where is it? Like, where is it in your own journey where you can spend a bit more time on the being of a Christ follower so that your doing reflects more of him in your life? I said we have a very real enemy and that very real enemy doesn't come through just busyness. We're, we're told in First John, and I think the last time I spoke to you guys, for those of you who are here, I will always share how the enemy takes us out. In First John chapter 2, we're told that the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life are not of the Father, but they're of the world. And years and years ago, when I was being discipled by a guy by the name of Dennis Blevins, Dennis told me, he said, Daniel, I want you to understand, Satan has three arrows, and he's really accurate with the bow. And at any given moment, he's going to be just looking for that opening in your armor. And if he can just pierce right here with the lust of the flesh, and if he can get you right here with the lust of the eyes, and if he can get you right here with the boastful pride of life, he's got you. Lust of the eyes. You have it. I don't. I want it. It's shiny, it's big, and it's fast. What is it that your eyes lust for. Because if our eyes lust for things, then there's a chance we're putting things on the throne and the throne's for Christ alone. We can never put anything there. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy nice things, but are we consumed with the lust of nice things? Lust of the eyes. You have it, I want it. Lust of the flesh. I don't want to feel this anymore, or I do want to feel that. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh is where addiction starts. I don't want to feel the pain. I don't want to feel the stress. I don't want to feel the discomfort. So it's a little of this. It's a little of that. It's a little of this. Young guys, be careful. Just be careful. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you can and can't do, but I am going to tell you that the Bible and the instruction in it is to be followed. And in it we're told, do not get drunk because we crowd out the Spirit. And we know, for those of us who have been drunk, are decisions really good when we're drunk? Or do we wake up the next day going, oh no, why did that happen? There might be one or two of you in the room who've experienced that. Oh, no. Why did that happen? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. I don't want to feel this, so I will medicate. Or I do want to feel that. And watch out, because what you want to feel, well, she can get you and take you down. And there's a whole bunch of prayer cards because that arrow's penetrated some of y'all. Be on the alert. 
The boastful pride of life. The boastful pride of life. The boastful pride of life. When that arrow hits, and it hits me often, and I have to yank it quickly, but it's always hitting this spot of insecurity. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Not strong enough, not smart enough, not good looking enough, not tough enough, not blah, blah, you fill in the blanks. I'm not enough. You're starting to realize it. You're not respecting me. You're not esteeming me. So therefore, I will compensate and I will be bigger. I will try to be more so that I get more attention. And in that moment, I'm now in the way of Christ. And the enemy's got me. The boastful pride of life. Hey, you think more about me. You think more about me. Think more about me. The boastful pride of life. Why do we do what we do? The men's breakfast this morning. Any of you remember what the title was? Or do you guys just show up because it's free breakfast? Living to please an audience of one. Striving to please an audience of one. My belief is that if we reorient, reorient our life and we understand that we are the image bearers of God, he created us for a purpose, and he said, hey, you, go bear my image in this world that I'm going to plop you into. And here we're in the United States and in Oregon. And I'm going to plop you into this place, and what I want you to do is I want you to be on a mission to bear my image so that the world knows that I'm real and that I love all of those humans that are to your left and to your right. That's why you're here. Bring the truth of the gospel and of me and my son to the world because I'm a God of relationship and I want relationship. Now, that's the Christian life. That's what you signed up for. When you said, I want to follow Christ, you said, that's going to be my theology. That will be my life framework. So I'm here on a mission, and each and every day I'm here to bring that fruit of the Spirit into light, into the relationships all day, every day, no matter whom I'm with. So if I strive to please an audience of one, life gets really easy. Because if I just focus on, Lord, I want to bring you glory, I want to make you happy. I want to make you happy. I want to bring you glory. I want to be the image bearer of you. Then what happens is he can now use me. And if I'm praying and asking for help, then he can use you. And you'll start to experience more love, joy, and peace because you're focused on him. And then what will come out of you will be more patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And life gets a lot easier. But the problem is, if I strive to live in ways to please an audience of all of you, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Like, there is no way, guys, that I can keep this guy happy, and I can keep you happy, and I can meet your needs, and I can show up the way that you want me to, and, and then my wife and my kids, I can't do it. And neither can you. We can't do it. And if we try, what will happen is in that moment, we start to play superhero God, and in that moment, we set ourselves up for failure, and the enemy's just laughing, going, yeah, you be the man to him and him and him and him, and you show up this way and that way and to her. And the Lord's going, no, no, no. 
Cast all your cares upon me. Hey, my yoke is easy. It's like just you and me, man. You and me. So in thinking about this morning, I was thinking, all right, Daniel, what is your big point? What's the big call to action for these guys? Because you're just like me. I mean, we're all the same. We wake up, we try to figure it out. Some of us are feeling more peace than others. Some of us are feeling more fear than others. Some of us are feeling more pain than others. But I'll tell you something, in life, seasons change, and we all get to change those realities. We all interchange them. Today in January, I'm feeling like this. You're feeling like that. Well, there's a good chance that next week I'm going to feel like that, and you're going to feel like this. Life has its way. My big point, my big request, my big message for you is that I want you to fight busyness in the morning. That's really what I want. And I don't want it to be an intellectual exercise. I think the way that we start to reduce the stack is by looking at our morning as a get-to-do, not a have-to-do. Now, most men who have spent time in the church know that waking up and having a quiet time or a devotion time is a good thing, right? Show of hands if you've heard that before. I just want to make sure you're not falling asleep on me, right? We know that. How many of you have tried that and you, and you start to make it day after day after day and you make it seven days or nine days or 12 days, but then it starts to get a little spotty? How many of you would be so transparent to say, yeah, Daniel, it gets a bit spotty with me? How many of you would say, you know what, even when I'm doing it, I do it, but an hour later, I don't even remember what I did. I don't even remember what I read. How many of you would say, I did it, but as I'm going through it, I'm sitting there looking on my phone at my email, or I'm thinking about the meeting, or I'm thinking about something else as I'm doing it. I see enough nods of heads where I don't need you to raise your hands. The enemy's got us. I mean, right here, right now. This is it. This is it. We're doing it to perform and to please a different audience. We're not doing it to please an audience of one. We don't get it. If we're not present in that relationship time in the morning, if we're not showing up, if we're rushing through and we're not remembering, if we're not wanting it so badly that we are there game on, ready to go, almost every single day, then we're missing the beauty. And there's no chance, I mean no chance, of us living a life of love, joy, and peace. And I believe that. And then, if we're not living love, joy, and peace, the being of us, then I think our doing is not going to be patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. That's not going to be our fruit. And if that's not our fruit, then I think every relationship as a result of what's happening on the outside, the results that we're getting in life, the relationships that we're having, the actions that are coming out of us, I think there's going to be brokenness and I think those st that stack of cards is going to grow. Is this all making sense? So now's the big question. Well, Daniel, how do you get to a place to where it doesn't feel like a check the box and you show up and you're present? How do you get there? Because I think every one of us want to experience more love, joy, and peace. And every one of us want to have the discipline of getting up and having sacred space first thing in the morning. Everybody wants that. Maybe some of us want it more than others. 
I have all sorts of guys that will tell me, you know what, Daniel, the morning time's not my time. I like to do it in the evening. And I, I have to tell you, if you don't do it in the morning, then I think that the odds of you hitting the target at the end of the day are greatly compromised. Because the first things you put into your mind, the first things that put in, you put into your heart, they're going to set the course for your day. They set the course for my day. I am telling you about my own journey. If I neglect my face down time, if I neglect my crying out for help time, if I neglect the beauty that is found in this, then what I will do is I will move into a reactive mode to where I'm not striving to please an audience of one. I'm trying to check the boxes, get through the day, and please the audience of whoever's in front of me. And I wrestle with it every day. I'm wrestling with it every day. But I see momentum. It's soon to be 54. I see progress. I'm experiencing more love. I'm experiencing more joy. I'm experiencing more peace. Still so broken. Still so broken. Still such a mule in so many moments. But the mule moments are much less than they used to be. The moments of love, joy, peace, the patience factor, the kindness factor, the goodness factor, I think it's increasing. It's what I'm hearing from those closest to me. Perfect? No. May God get the glory. My point, your morning time. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to create sacred space so, you that, so that you can get what he has for you. And I just want to walk through how that looks in a few people's lives so that you have examples. Because I know sometimes we guys say, yeah, we hear that, but what, what's that really look like? Like, how does that work? I asked the elders to help me out. I said, hey, guys, what's your morning look like? I want to know. I want to know, buddies. These guys, um, some of them are in the room, and I know there's others in the room that would as well, but these are guys that I know if I needed anything. I know. I know. Phone call, text, anything, anything. The beauty of the brotherhood, which I'll talk about in the moments ahead. One elder, hey, when I wake up first thing is I remind myself of the gospel. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Thank you, Christ. I dwell on this. I rejoice in this. I look at the day before and the day ahead in the light of this. It impacts my devotional time and prayer flows and follows from this. And currently, I'm in the Psalms. There's a chance that you didn't hear that. There's a chance that you, you, you didn't lock onto that. He says that he wakes up and he says, the gospel's what I think about. Oh, the gears. The first thing I think about is the gospel. The first thing I think about is the fact that I'm a sinner. The first thing that I think about that I'm saved by grace. I'm saved. I'm not savior. And then that kicks in to gear, all right, the belief piece, then starts the feeling, and now the actions. Now, the actions are devotional time and prayer 
The actions are in the Psalms. Those gears start working, fruit. Another elder says, I'm up at five in the morning, time in the word and prayer until 5.45. The key for me is not turning on my cell phone until after I finish this time with the Lord. And this guy heads to the gym, gets his morning going. Another guy, 5.30, prayer with my wife, 6.15, Bible study, 7 o'clock, prep and dress. Another guy, I listened to Rick Warren's podcast on the way to work. It's his sermons. First thing, before he gets to the office, he's just putting good stuff into his head. My morning, guys, it's the same every day. Seven days a week, no. Six out of seven, 6.7 out of seven, I've got my family in the room. Six and a half out of seven, it's the same. And it has been for years. Please don't miss this. It's about God's goodness in it. But there's a routine. And I've studied the routines of people that bear a lot of fruit. They have a morning routine. My routine is tea, make it. I'm not going to give you all the details. The important parts. I'm in the same spot of the house the first thing in the morning. And I am face down, sprawled out. And for those of you who were at the prayer breakfast or the men's breakfast last time, I showed you. I mean, I'm in what looks, would be, what looks like would be the Muslim prayer, right? Part one, Lord, you are everything. You are alpha. You are omega. You are creator. You created this world. I didn't. There's no random accident. You're amazing. You're in control. I'm not. You are good. You are loving. You are everything. You are everything. First thing I want to think about is the fact that there is a king and he's amazing. That's at the very core of the Christian life. A good God. A good God that wants relationship with us so much so that he saved us. Part one, this is who you are. All right, you're there on the throne, and I'm here face down. I'm nothing. I'm created in his image. On my own, nothing. With him, his image bearer, a lot. Face down. Part one, who he is. Part two, and this is where it's the same all the time. Lord, help me to be who you want me to be so that I can do what you want me to do. You know, I see a few of you that I've been doing the church life with for decades. And I don't know if some of you went to Grace? No, Lake, years ago. And I remember Jim Andrews, Pastor Jim Andrews, sharing that's how he prayed. Help me to be who you want me to be so that I can do what you want me to do. Help me to see people like you see them. Help me to see people like you see them. Help me to love them like you love them, God. And may I serve them in ways that bring you glory. It's the same every day. Lord, help me to be who you want me to be so that I can do what you want me to do. Help me to see people like you see them. Help me to love them like you love them. And may I serve them in ways that bring you glory. Use me today, all day long, to flip the switches up on the hearts of all of those that I come into contact with. And may you get the glory. Right from the get-go, I'm asking for help where I want it. Help me to be love, joy, peace.
so that I can do patient kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. May I see people like you see them. May I love them like you love them. May I serve them in ways that bring you glory. All day long, use me to flip the switches up on the hearts of all of those that I come into contact with. FedEx guy, barista, wife, daughters, sons, teammates, clients, everybody. Do I get it right all the time? No, I wish I did. Daniel still gets in the way. But not as much as I used to. Not as much as I used to. Part two, me. Help me to be, help me to do. See, love, serve, flip switches up. Part three, pray for you. Part three is where I am face down, pleading, because I know your stories. So, yeah, maybe a little selfish. Lord, help me first in the marriage. Help me with the kids. Help my kids' marriages. Help us to parent. I mean, these are all my real pain points, and then I just start to move out the circle. And I spend time face down, just face down, begging. Begging for healing for your wife. Begging for healing for Chris's wife. Begging for healing for those of you that are sick. Begging for healing in your broken marriages. Just face down. Then move to meditating on something, and that's just the total focus on a biblical truth and just allowing that to be what I focus on over and over and over again. Do a little bit of stretching. Do a little bit of a workout on the floor. And now that the body is moved, I'm moving, I'm awake, and I open the word. And I just jump in. And when I open the word, I feel like the conversation is now getting real. I've been praying, and now, Lord, what do you have for me? And right now, I'm in the Psalms, and I am loving the Psalms. And here's the thing in the Psalms. Over and over and over again, we see David or the other psalmist saying, Lord, you're my salvation. You're my salvation. You're my salvation. You're the one. And again, it comes all the way back to full circle. What is it that is orienting your life? Are you seeing God where he needs to be? And are you pursuing this connection with him from a heart place? Because if we understand he's the salvation, then it's super easy for us to shield ourselves from the arrows because those arrows are telling us that the other things in life are the salvation. It's the lustful pride, you know, the lustful, the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. It's the busyness that's salvation. It's me that's salvation. It's keeping all of you happy that's salvation. But you get into the word and he reorients you and he tells you, hey, this is what you need to be thinking about today, Daniel. This is what you need to be thinking about right here. It's a chapter. Sometimes it's two. Underlining, highlighting the key nuggets, and then it's praying with that key nugget. Then sometimes I'll add to it, and I'll add, well, not sometimes, just about every day, I'll add some sort of spiritual reading on top of it. Just something short, you know, really short, just to keep it going. Not a have to, a get to. So, I believe that as image bearers, if we can start our days with the get to do, with a real request of, Lord, I want more connection with you, more intimacy with you. I want to please you. I want to live my life for you. Sherry would say, more Jesus, my wife, more Jesus. Then um, there's going to be more fruit. 
And that's going to be birthed out of a life where there's more peace, more love, more joy. And you'll be used as image bearers, I promise you. You will be used as image bearers to flip switches up and to make a positive and eternal difference in the life of everybody that you're with. All because he's working in you. And people are going, you know what? I see in you he's real. What's that about? I see Christ in you. What's that about? Tell me. Where's that peace, love, and joy coming from? Those inside our walls will want more of it. No hypocrisy. And those in the next few rungs of our life will want more of it. So I have thrown a ton out there with regards to all these thoughts, and I knew there was a chance I'd be random guy all over the map. But I wanted to land on that one thing, which was your morning, which means when are you going to bed, which means are you setting yourself up for success? I was with a group of leaders earlier this week, and... Uh, I was talking about morning, the morning, and I said, too many of us are waking up as enslaved men, enslaved humans, and we're making the choice to enter into slavery. You guys know where I'm going with this? Any of you feel in that enslavement? The slavery is this shiny thing. Can I borrow yours? Because what you're doing is you're waking up to the master. All right, you're waking up, and the first thing you're putting into your mind is whatever the master calls you to. It's email, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Snap, it's whatever. Your first moments are this or they're the news. Right? And when you're reading the news, you're now having to react to whatever other individuals are telling you that's taking place in the world, which truthfully you have very little, if any, control over at all. And it's not completely being positioned with all perspectives being considered. But you're choosing to put that into your mind first thing. So if we continue to live as slaves first thing in the morning and we put that into our mind, what we see is Email. How many of you wake up to email? Let's just be real. How many of us, first thing, it's email? You guys are like all half-handed. Like, yeah. <laughs> what happens in that moment is you wake up behind. All right? You wake up behind. I am now going to respond to you. Where are you taking me? I'm going to please you, and 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 that's a good ad. Well, that's on sale. I'm going to please you. I'm going to please you. Okay, reactive. We start our day off reactive. How many of you start your day off where the first thing is something social, whether it's Snap, Insta, Facebook, or something? It's like there in the first. Okay, so there I'm not even getting full hand raises. I'm getting like one fingers, right? So you need to know what happens, and I've said this for years. What happens in that moment is you start your day off realizing how your life sucks because the only thing people are putting on Insta, Facebook, and and uh, the others are the absolute highlights. It's this awesome meal. It's this tropical view. It's this adventure. It's, that's what you put out there. So you wake up in the morning. You're tired. You hit snooze three times. You're already late. And you're looking at all of your distant friends and what they're experiencing. Now, go have a good day. Try to compare with that. 
And if you read the news and you allow that to be the first thing that comes in, well, you know what? Hopefully we're going to make it through the day because <laughs> this place has fallen apart. Now go out and flip switches up, image bearers. Be good news. Mm -mm. There's a different way. Don't wake up as slaves. Wake up as free men. Free men who have the option and the privilege to start their days off as they see fit. You have the freedom to wake up a half an hour earlier. You have the freedom to go to bed a half an hour earlier. You have the freedom to wake up, and I don't care if it's 10 minutes or it's an hour, but drop to the ground and acknowledge who he is and ask for help. That's what the Hebrew scriptures tell us the very first men were doing. And Christ himself, Christ himself modeled it. Because you know, Having risen a long while before daylight, he departed and he went to a solitary place. And there he did what? He prayed. So Christ, a very busy man. No email, no Insta, no Snap. But a very busy man. Christ, he's out on a mission. He is on a mission. He's on the move, town to town, people group to people group. He himself, walking by foot, exhausted, walking by foot, giving it up, being persecuted, being ridiculed, not being listened to, being mocked, being kicked out of towns. Busy, busy guy. From early in the morning until late at night, throngs of people wanting him. Him. He says, you guys, watch me. Take cues off of how I'm living because your life's going to be like mine. And having risen a long while before daylight, not hard in Oregon, it's still not even daylight. <laughs> having risen a long while before daylight, he went off to a solitary place, go by yourself, and there he prayed. There he prayed. That's how he started his day. The Christ, that's how he started his day. As men, that's how he started his day. Who are we to think that we can do it without starting our day the same way? Who are we to think? Like we can, we can live the, the Christian life without starting our day off the same way. I can't do it. Can't do it. And when I miss, oh, do I miss. When I miss the time, I miss the relationship. I really do. Gentlemen, my hope is that you, in some way, shape, or form, will understand the importance of that connection first thing. And you will strive to make that connection first thing. Strive to please the audience of one. Pursue the fruit. Pursue the fruit. It's way more valuable than anything else that you might pursue. Pursue a life of love, joy, and peace. And out of that, a life where faithfulness and gentleness and goodness and kindness and patience and all that good fruit comes. Pursue that. And I think if, if we do, and if we are those men, if we strive to be those men, then the doing will have such a positive effect in our homes. And now I'm speaking to you husbands and you dads. You know what? And you sons as well. If you strive to bring that into the home, I think these prayer requests start to go down. You guys with me on that? You agree? Father God, Lord, thank you.
for the um, privilege of just connecting together as men. Thank you for the gift, Lord, of time and the place. Uh, we get to live in, in a place where we have the freedom to come talk about you and to worship you. Lord, I ask on behalf of all of my brothers that you would help us to be who you've called us to be so that we may do what you've called us to do, Lord. Help us to see people, all people, all humans as you see them. Lord, may we see our spouses as you see them, our kids as you see them, our parents as you see them, our friends as you see them, our colleagues as you see them, our clients, our neighbors. May we see them as you see them. And Lord, may we love them as you love them. May we not get in your way. May we love them like you love them. Use us, Lord, to be the hands and feet of you. Lord, may we serve them, our wives, our kids, our friends, our parents, our classmates, those we work with. May we serve them, Lord, selflessly serve them in ways that bring you glory, in ways that cause them to know you are real in our life. Lord, use us today, use us today to flip the switches up on the hearts of all of those that we come into contact with. Lord, may you work in us in such powerful ways. And may you be the one that gets the fame. May you be the one that gets the glory. We pray for that, Lord. You are king. And Father, today I know there are guys who've got some heavy, heavy hearts. The beautiful thing is we believe you hear us and you know us. You know what's going on inside. So I pray for comfort. I pray for peace. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for hope. I pray for healing. I pray for growth and maturity. I pray for protection from the schemes of the enemy. I pray for freedom. Freedom for those who are being held hostage to different addictions or sins. The arrows have penetrated. Lord, remove those arrows and then patch the holes, Lord, with the gospel. So, Lord, use us today. I pray for a great day where we would bring energy, Christ-centered energy into all of the relationships, interactions that we may have. We love you, Lord, and we say thank you. Amen.